we are looking at uh, Elijah and Elisha um, in a new series which Andy kicked off last uh, week um, about prayer and today the topic is provision and the title is The Living God Provides and we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 17 um, verses 8 to 16 if you'd like to um, find that in the Bible if you've got one. Uh, we'll put the passage up on the screen shortly. Um, <coughs> and we'll read it. And um, so the, um, the story that we heard last week is about how Elijah prayed and, uh, for a drought. Right? He prayed for it to stop raining and it stopped raining. And then there was a massive drought and the drought lasted for a whole three years. So three years of no rain at all and consequently uh, famine. Um, across the land and people really struggling for food and living and stuff and Elijah as you may remember uh, last week was beside a brook and ravens came and fed him by the brook but then the brook dried out so it was that it was that uh, it was that much of a drought that the brook dried out um, and so we get to um, verse 8 of chapter 17 and so let's let's just read the verses there uh, let me click over here we get a great so it's up there if you want to follow now or on your own Bible or screen or whatever. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake out of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her household... <coughs> Ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. So there we are, a um, remarkable story of miraculous uh, provision um, for Elijah there as the jug of oil and the jar of flour um, never ran out until rain came. And it, but Elijah, first of all, receives a, what is a rather strange instruction, you've got to say. Um, go to Zarephath in Sidon and dwell there. So first of all, this is really odd because it's like go outside Israel, leave the nation of Israel, go somewhere outside of the God's people and, uh, and go and where there'll be Gentiles and non-Jews. And, uh, and, and that's, so that's kind of odd and that's strange uh, for a start. Like, why do that? And then secondly, it's go and find a widow. Like widows are notoriously like the poorest people around. 
They've got no one to provide for them. They've probably got to try and provide for some children as well. Normally, as a famine, the widows will be the first ones to run out of food. Um, and so, that, so God's saying, go to a widow, because they'll provide for you. It's like, what? You know, that, that's the wrong person, God. You need to send me to a king or, a, you know, somebody really rich or something. No, but God says, go to a widow, and not even a Jewish widow, a widow over in Sidon um, in this other country. And I've told this widow... I've told this widow to provide for you. And, uh, of course, he lands up with his widow, and the widow's got nothing to provide him with. Um, but God sorts it out in the end. So, so God is sorting this out in a sort of unusual way, and, and Elijah listens to God and does what God says. Well, it's interesting that he has to go to um, Sidon. There's a sort of picture of what it might have been like. Uh, this poor woman, she's really destitute. She's you're just collecting a few sticks and she's got her last bit of flour and her last bit of oil and that's it. And she's expecting to die. This is, she's expecting this to be her last meal. And Elijah comes and says, give me some water. Obviously he's thirsty. There's no, there hasn't been rain for a long time. Um, and then says, give me some food as well. Um, but Sidon, is, it's surprising that he goes to Sidon. Um, and there's a particular... Surprise that you don't notice unless you read some of the context, because if you look at um, the previous chapter, verse 31, Jezebel, whose hobby is killing prophets, she killed about 100 prophets, Jezebel actually comes from Sidon. And so this is, makes it especially odd to Elijah, like, go to that place where Jezebel lives, who's killing prophets, and I'm going to look after you there in Sidon. Um, so, so that's where he's going to Sidon, and Jezebel wants to kill Elijah. In fact, Jezebel is very keen and uh, looking for Elijah. And if you look at this verse in 1 Kings, the, the very next chapter, chapter 18, verse 10, um, Ahab says to Elijah when he finally turns up that um, there's no national kingdom where my Lord is not sent to seek you. They're looking for Elijah. And when they would say, in another nation, he's not here he would take an, an oath from the kingdom or nation to say they've not found you. So they've gone to all the other nations around Sidon and said, have you found Elijah? Go and look for him. If you haven't found him, swear to me that you can't find him. But they didn't say that of their own nations. They didn't expect Elijah's actually right there in their own nation, being looked after by a widow. They didn't expect that. So God was kind of hiding Elijah exactly the least place, the last place that Jezebel thought he would be in Jezebel's own town, her own country. And she looked for him everywhere else, but not right there. So there's a kind of protection um, that God is providing for Elijah in putting him right there, just where Jezebel doesn't think he's going to be. Um, and, but Jesus actually comments on this passage in Luke um, chapter 4. Um, and uh, he's talking about how a prophet is not welcome in their own home. And he says, in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And so there's an implied criticism here that Jesus is saying there wasn't faith in Israel. There wasn't actually someone. He would have sent Elijah to a woman in Israel. He could have done that. But he didn't because there wasn't faith there. But there was faith in this other woman, not even a Jew, not even living in Israel. And this, this poor widow, that was where there was faith. And God sent Elijah there. And it's like God turns up where there's somebody with a bit of faith. God turns up, there's somebody, a bit of 
God can do this. There's somebody who's, somebody who's praying and saying, God, I need you. Somebody who's actually faith that God might even answer their prayers and turn up and help them. God goes there and turns up there. And God goes and turns up where this widow is. The whole of Israel and many other widows who are also suffering. But this one has got a bit of faith. And it's not the ones that they expect, the Jewish ones. It's somebody else. But she's got some faith in the God of the Jews. Some faith in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And she's the one that is able to respond um, to them. And... Uh, and also you see there that uh, what's very striking as well about this passage is that she's got this, uh, her last bit of flour and her last bit of oil. And Elijah says, give me some bread. And she says, well, you know, to be honest, this is my last meal. I, I've not got any more. That's it. I'm going to bake this bit. I'm just collecting a few sticks now to make a fire, to bake this bit of bread, this bit. And that's going to be the last bit for me and my son. I'm expecting them to die. And what does Elijah say? Elijah says, okay, go and do that, but give the first bit to me. The first bit to me. The first bit, right? Now that takes something, isn't it? For, for the widow to give the first bit of that final meal to Elijah, this chap who's come from Israel. No doubt she understands that he's a prophet. No doubt she understands that he's coming from God. No doubt she can only do this because she has some faith that what he says is going to happen. When he says this jar's not going to run out, and when he says this, this um, oil is not going to run out, she believes him, otherwise you would never do that, would you? Right? She has some faith, and so she gives the first bit of the bread to Elijah. And then the rest of it for her son and for herself. And there's something there about giving the first of what we get to God, isn't there? Something there about how we should always give the first of what we have to God. You know the story of Cain and Abel um, back in Genesis chapter 4. It struck me for the first time. You always wonder, why did God accept Abel's offering and not accept Cain's offering? Well, it struck me the other day because with Cain, it just says he gave an offering of uh, the fruit that he was getting. And with Abel, it says he gave the firstborn, the first. Right? And so God accepted Abel because he gave the first fruit of his farming, his, his, his work. And whereas with Cain, it wasn't the first fruit and it wasn't the same. And so there's a principle that we should give to God first out of the abundance and things that we get. Whenever I get some money, I decide, right, first of all, I need to give. First give. Then we can think about what else to do. I got some money recently after my wife died. First of all, let's give some. And then let's think what else, you know, give the first fruits, give first. And also it's sacrificial, isn't it this? This is really sacrificial for this widow. This is her last bit of food. You know, your, your tendency, uh, particularly when you're hungry, is to like keep this. I'm going to keep it for myself, you know. But she sacrificially gives something of the last of what she has. It's going to cost her. And then God obviously gives back and provides for her. There's something about how we need to be giving sacrificially, uh, not just um, something that doesn't matter to us, but give something that actually costs us a bit. There's something about giving, I think, here in this passage, as well as about providing, that we need to listen to, that God wants us to give out of the first of what we get and to give sacrificially, give so that it makes a difference, give so it's costly, and God wants to bless us and show us and provide for us 
um, in all these kind of ways. My favourite promise um, of, oh, let's go back to this story as well. Um, Jesus told another story, of course, about a widow. And, uh, and again, it's, yeah, it's very striking. It's the last of what she had. I'll just read it. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. And many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributors have their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has gave in everything that she had to live on. And so he uses this as an illustration of giving sacrificially, not just giving out the abundance, but giving sacrificially and giving uh, the first of what we have um, to God. So, and then my favourite promise about provision is Philippians 4, uh, 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Or riches in glory. I've memorised it in the NIV, so I quote it slightly differently. Um, and God will supply every need. Every need. Now, it doesn't say every desire. Okay, I'd quite like to have a helicopter and fly around. Okay, God's not provided that yet. Okay, but that's not really a need. Okay, but there are needs that we have. And some of you here have got needs today. Okay, and I want to pray for them a bit later on. Okay, so think about that. But the promise here is God will supply every need of yours because he's got all these riches in Christ Jesus. He'll provide every need for you. He knows what's good for you. He knows what you need. He even knows before you ask it, but he wants you to ask because it's about relationship. He wants you to ask because he wants to build faith. He wants you to ask because then you know it's because you asked and God's answered and God's provided for you. So you need to ask him for the things that you need and he wants to provide it for you. And I thought I'd like to share some modern stories about provision because I think sometimes we can read these stories in the Bible and think oh that was thousands of years ago and, and he was a super Christian or a super believer whatever and but how that that sort of thing doesn't happen today well it does happen today and it has happened in modern times as well and let's sort of bring it sort of down to earth and and try and build our faith that God wants to provide for us um, by sharing some stories that I found inspiring of how God has provided uh, for people um, in more recent times. Um, the first one is Hudson Taylor. Um, how many of you have heard of Hudson Taylor? Just so I'm, I'm just curious to know. Quite a lot of you. Okay, yeah, great. So Hudson Taylor was a uh, famously a missionary to China. Um, and like, he's called like the Apostle to the Chinese. He's like the first modern missionary to China. And um, he, he established a huge mission there and saw lots and lots of uh, Chinese churches established. Um, and so on. But when he was younger, um, he was working um, for a chap who was forgetful, and he would forget to pay him. And so, and Hudson Taylor thought, well, I'm going to use this a way to learn to trust God. So instead of asking his boss to pay him, he would ask God to provide for him. Okay, and so, so he learned how to operate in faith and learned how to trust God for provision as a young man this way. And there's a famous story where he had one coin uh, left in his pocket. Um, it was a half crown coin and he met somebody 
who was in need and he thought, if only I had some change or if only I had a bit more money, then I could help her and give her some money. And then he felt convicted that he should just give the coin that he had to this lady. So he did. He gave the coin that he had and that was his last coin and that meant there was no money for food the next day. So, of course, he prayed about it and asked God to provide for him and the next day an envelope came to his house with a coin in it. And it was actually a sovereign coin, four times as much worth as the half crown coin that he'd given away the day before. And, and so he, he learned then that God provides when he gives and, and, and he, there's many other stories like that, but he started to learn to trust God that way. And of course, then he went to China and he had to trust God for much more provision, a much greater provision, a much different kind of provision, a provision for lots of other people and so on. He learned in that kind of way. And that kind of inspires me about how God provides. And here's a quote from Hudson Taylor, and you can read it, but I'll read it for you. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He is too wise a God to frustrate his purposes for lack of funds. He can just as easily supply them ahead of time as afterwards, and he much prefers doing so. So there you go. There's a lesson. God's, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Are you getting this? God provides um, for us. Um, here's another story that I find inspiring. How many of you have heard of Corrie Ten Boom? Again, quite a lot of you, great. Um, so Corrie Ten Boom um, in Holland in the uh, Nazi occupation uh, was involved in hiding Jews. Um, and she actually hid Jews in her house with her sister Betsy. Um, and then one day they were caught, eventually they were caught and they were taken to a concentration camp, Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. But she managed to smuggle in a vitamin bottle and a Bible. And they led Bible studies. And then she had this vitamin um, bottle with some little drops in it. And her sister was really quite unwell uh, from lack of vitamins um, in the camp. And so Corrie wanted to give a drop every day to her sister. But her sister insisted, no, 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 give one to everyone else first and then give one to me. And so she gave a drop to every other prisoner in the camp first and then to her sister. And that went on for days and days and weeks and weeks and it never ran out. This vitamin bottle never ran out. And her sister said, this is like this widow. This is like 1 Kings 17. It's God providing for us. And it ran out when, when, uh, when they didn't need it anymore. And, uh, and God sort of supernaturally provided for them in that kind of way. And it shows that this kind of thing, uh, God's still in the business of providing in supernatural ways sometimes for people and in multiplying things um, in different ways as well. Um, then there's Hattie Baker. How many of you know this one, this, this lady? Still quite a lot of you, it's good. Um, so she um, is uh, working in Mozambique. Um, and she uh, started an orphanage there for the many children there. And uh, there was a point, and if you read this book, there's a point where they had about 100 children. She had to move them to another location uh, for a particular reason. And they came to this new um, place to house these children. They were all exhausted from traveling and stress and all the hassle of moving. And there was no food. They hadn't planned. Nobody had got any food for them. And they're all a bit on edge and wondering what on earth to do. And a friend came along and said, oh, I've, I've cooked a meal for you. And here it is. It was enough for four people. And she sort of slightly sarcastically said, oh, my family's a bit bigger than that now, kind of thing. 
Um, but she took the food anyway and decided to just start serving it up. And she served it up and sort of without realizing, she suddenly found it was serving the whole lot of them. And this meal that was for four people served uh, over 100 children plus everyone else there. And God just multiplied it and provided for it. And I, you know, God is in the business of just providing. And sometimes he does it supernaturally. Sometimes he will do it supernaturally. And he was providing um, for them in that situation in a particularly unusual way. Um, and um, here's another story. Um, how many of you know Pete Gregg? And uh, have you read this book? I, to be honest, I hadn't read it until recently either. My, sis, my, my wife had this book. Um, I myself hadn't read it, but there is a story in here of this lady, Susanna uh, Reichiger. I hope you pronounce it like that. And uh, do you know what happened to her? I've never, I've never heard of anything else like this before. She actually opened her cupboard and there was money in there that hadn't been there before. And it happened four times and it was witnessed by other people as well that God basically made money. Imagine opening your cupboard and there's freshly made money that God's given to you there. And banknotes were actually in her cupboard. It's like her cupboard's like a cash point, right? And this money was there. The total over the four times was 28,000 Swiss francs, enough for a whole year's salary, right? Imagine that. Isn't that incredible um, that that happened? And, you know, I've tried opening my cupboard a few times, but I, you know, I never actually found the money in there. But the point is that God can do this, right? God can do this. And he can do, you know, you might limit how God provides for you or how you think God might provide for you, but don't limit how God might provide for you because God can provide for you in whatever way he chooses. Amen. And he will do in lots of different ways. My own story um, of this kind of provision is when I was much younger um, and um, I was on a gap year between university and, and proper work and they didn't have a lot of money at that time. And um, there came a point near the end of the year, I was thinking, I need a printer um, because I need to apply for jobs. And this is the olden days before the internet. Anyone remember those days? Oh, yeah. yeah, the good old days. We had to actually do things on paper and had to print off a CV and, and send it by post. You heard of that, any of you? Um, so, so I thought, I need a printer because I've got to be able to print off a CV and print off a covering letter and all this to apply for these jobs and things. And I, I prayed this kind of crazy prayer. What made me pray this? I said, God, if £200 turns up for me, then I'll know what to spend it on. I'll spend it on a printer. So I said, this is the kind of, that's what I would need to spend to get a printer. And do you know the next week an envelope arrived with my name on it with £200 in cash in it? So I told nobody. I told nobody in the world that I needed this. And that is what happened. And I go, okay, God, I got myself a printer and God provided a job as well. Um, and so God is in the business of providing for you uh, and me and, and, uh, and this is what he wants to do. How about um, this story, Molly? How many of you heard of Molly? Not so many of you, Daniel's, Daniel's keen. I think, I think this is the best Christian film of all time. Okay, so go and watch it. It's free on YouTube, right? Molly the movie, go and watch it. Um, he set up an orphanage. Really, if you want to see God provide, set up an orphanage. God's interested in orphans, right? Um, he was actually, he, he had been an orphan himself. He was abandoned, aged about 10 years old in Kenya. And uh, so he's, he was begging on the streets as a young child. And then God took him and uh, he ended up becoming a very, very wealthy man, one of the wealthiest people in Africa probably. Um, and then God convicted him and said, go 
and look after the orphans because you were an orphan. And so he one day just quit all of that business and set up an orphanage. And um, actually, shortly after I watched this film, I asked, I, I happened to meet a Kenyan government minister. And I said to her, have you heard of Mully? And she was like, no. I was like, Mully Children's Families. Oh, you mean Mully? And she pronounced it a slightly different way. Oh, yeah, I've heard of Mully. That's a truly miraculous story, she said to me. So the government knows about this guy and what he does. And uh, one day they ran out of food in the orphanage. And that day, a, a lorry full of food turned up outside their house. Thought you might find this useful. We've got some spare food for you. And it was just the day when they needed it. And he was looking after hundreds of kids. And it became many hundreds of kids eventually. And... Uh, <coughs> They moved into a new area to accommodate the number of kids that it was. It was way bigger than he accommodate in his own uh, land that he had before. Um, and this area was dry, and there was no water there. And uh, it was a very dry, like, almost like a desert kind of bit of land. And they tried to hunt for water. They got people to drink boreholes down into the ground a long way. Couldn't find any water. And they were praying about it. God, we need water. We've got to have some water for all these kids. And one day, um, he woke up in the middle of the night and felt God speaking to him. And he walked out and he felt God lead him and say, this is the place, dig here, and there'll be water here. And the next morning, he said, right, God showed me last night, dig here, and there'll be water there. And they were all like, you're crazy. What are you on about? You're mad. But some of them decided to dig. So they dug, they dug there. And the hole got deeper and deeper, and less and less people thought this was going to go anywhere. And more and more people thought he was mad. And they all started going away and thinking, this guy's gone mad. And some of them kept digging. Eventually, they hit rock. And they said, look, we've hit rock. What do we do now? Well, God told me there's water there, so keep digging. So they smashed through some of the rock, and there was water there. And that provided for this whole thing. And you have to watch the film because it changed the climate of the whole area. There's a microclimate there. He built a bridge over dry land that ended up having a river under it. So it's like Noah building a bridge before there's water there. And God just provided for them in an amazing, abundant way. And, and that is what God is in the business of doing, providing uh, for you, and providing for his ministry and providing for his work. I like this um, phrase here, it's God's will, he foots the bill. Isn't that true? If it's God's will, he foots the bill. If you remember one thing from today, remember this, right? If it's, if it's God's will, he foots the bill, okay? And what, if God wants to do something, he will provide for it, right? Because that is what he's in the business of providing for things. Um, in my work, you know, I work for a Christian organization, and when I first started working there and saw the bank balances, I was like, whoa, what? You know, how are we going to survive this month? That's crazy. You know, and then the next month, whoa, what's happening here? Uh, yeah, but after miracle, after miracle, after miracle, I've stopped worrying about it now. Okay, God's going to sort it out somehow. And he does. Every month, he, somehow he provides for it. And somehow we carry on. And I can't really explain it, but God, really. And uh, one of my colleagues, we're, we're involved in helping people set up schools because a lot of parents are getting more concerned, Christian parents, about all of the sexualization of young children in schools and the trans indoctrination in schools, all that kind of stuff. And more and more parents are saying, enough, I'm not going to let my kid be uh, indoctrinated like that. And so we need to set up a school. And, and there are about 20 new school visions that we know of uh, across the country or people setting up a new school 
And one in particular, my colleagues had a meeting and uh, they were just sharing the vision a couple of parents sharing a vision of setting up a new Christian school in this area. And somebody there said, right, I feel convinced about this. I'm going to help you buy a building. And that God's going to provide a building for them. Imagine that. Now, because really, here's another one for you to remember. When it's God's vision, there'll be provision. Right? Remember that one as well. Okay? When it's God's vision, there will be provision. God will provide for it. Okay, and I just feel that some of us today might have been limiting what we feel God can do or what we expect God can do in terms of providing for you and providing for your vision and providing for what God is telling you to do. Because when it's God's will, he will foot the bill. And when it's God's vision, there will be provision. And God is in the business of providing for people today. So let's stand up because I just want to... Um, pray for some people um, just now um, and I've actually got three three groups of people to pray for just to indicate and we'll pray for you um, and um, I think there are some people who have a specific need that you want God to provide for a specific need that you want God to provide for maybe it's a job maybe you need something else like I needed a printer or something else like that um, and if you've got a specific need that you want God to provide for, and I'd just like to pray for you, and you don't need to necessarily share what it is, okay? Do you just want to put a hand up now, just to indicate, I'd like to have prayer for that. Yep, that's some of us now, okay? So, and if you're happy to keep your hand up, while other people sort of look around and pray for you, okay, I'm going to lead some prayer from the front, and then you just, if you've not got your hand up, pray for the people around you as well. Um, yep, Lord Jesus, Thank you that you are in the business of providing for people, Lord Jesus. I just want to thank you, your prayer, you'd increase our faith for providing for us. And Lord, you know each of these needs represented in this room today. You know each of the needs that people have put their hands up for today. And Lord, I just want to pray that you would provide for those needs. You would have your abundant provision, have your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Come and provide Come and lead, come and guide, come and let things happen, come and guide them to people, come and let things work out, let jobs be provided, open the right doors and give out of your abundance to each of these people and provide for their visions, I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Okay, another group is people, might be some of the same people, um, and if you just been, feel like you've been limiting God or you want more faith for God, that God's going to provide for you and what God wants you to do. Is anyone like that? You want more faith for God to provide for you. Yes, some people are putting their hands up now for this one. You can put your hand up again if you want to. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, I just want to see this more faith. Father, Father, thank you for building faith just now as I've been speaking that you do provide with these stories. Thank you for these stories of provision. And they're just ordinary people, Lord. And you provided for them and you can do it for us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, as you've been faithful in the past, you've been faithful to other people. I pray you'd be faithful to us again. I pray you'd increase our faith for you to provide for us in the future for every need. And I pray we wouldn't limit your vision, wouldn't limit how you want to provide for us. We wouldn't limit how you want to provide for this church as well, Lord Jesus. We ask you to provide abundantly for this church and their vision here as well and for each of the individual 
lives and visions and callings and ministries represented in this room, we ask you to come and provide all that they need in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and finally, I just want to pray for people who feel convicted they need to give more. People that feel they need to give the first fruits of what you get. Maybe you need to start tithing or something like that, or you need to start giving sacrificially. Are there some people who feel they need to give more? You want to just acknowledge that to God. I need to give more. I need to just go and be sacrificial and be more meaningful and more deliberate in my giving. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you that you are an abundant God. Lord, we don't want to be selfish with our money. We want to be generous, generous, cheerful givers. Look, I want to be people who are abundantly giving. And Lord, these stories of people giving and you providing, we just want to be like that. We want to live in faith that you will give back. And we want to give to people and give to organisations and give to individuals where we see need. Help us be generous, kind, people who give, people who share, people who open up our hearts and our homes and are not selfish and, and holding on to our money. We want to break ties that we have to our money. Break the ties, break the stronghold where we feel selfish, we need, feel we need to hold on to it, oh God. Break that in us and let us be free and generous in giving away what we have because you are a generous, loving God. In Jesus' name, amen.